0: Hello, everybody! Welcome to episode 26 of the Island Sports Talk podcast. I know there's been another slight little drought, but things have been worked out. I've been working behind the scenes. I've been grinding. Don't you worry. The schedule is set unofficially throughout the next couple weeks. But just be prepared. The droughts are over. We're going to have one to two a week for the foreseeable future. So just stay strapped for that. Enough of what's going on in the future. Let's talk about what's in the present. This episode it will be another solo. Hopefully the last solo for a while. You know I've been like I said been grinding in the background. Have some gets coming up, so great stuff coming. But for this episode, uh, it's going to be a depressing one. We're going to talk about how training camp has killed my Colts. Uh, and then to get actually to a worse note, we'll talk about the Mets. Yep, they're doing they they're doing some horrible. Horrible things right now. So we're starting off depressing and then getting to NBA free agency. Exciting stuff there. And then, at the very end, I know it's a little delayed, but finally, a segment of the segment season. So stay tuned, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Let's get right into it. As I said in the opening, it is a solo show today, but, you know, some behind-the-scenes work being put in. Guests will be flowing from the foreseeable future, so just bear with one more solo show with me. We'll get through it. And you know what? I'm gonna need you to get through this with me because I'm talking some depressing stuff. Let's get right into the training camp. I've been looking forward to the NFL season, as many NFL fans I should say all NFL fans have been since, you know, Tampa Bay defeated Kansas City. Couldn't wait. (laughs) Couldn't wait for football. And, you know, throughout the spring, the early part of the summer, more and more excited. Carson, revival season over and over. And the inevitable happened. He got hurt. 5 to 12 weeks. And, you know, the Mets have drained. We'll get into them later. The Mets have drained so much hope for me (laughs) because I was so hopeful for them. And they've just fallen flat on their faces. And the Colts do, too. Well, the injuries or just underperforming, losing games they shouldn't. I've come to a point where hope is just pointless in sports. So I'm fully expecting this injury from Wentz to be a lot worse than the five to twelve week time frame of the game, which is one of the oddest and most broad time frames I've ever seen. Uh, but this is a team, especially with quarterbacks, that just misevaluates, similar to the Mets when it comes to injuries. Uh, their quarterback injuries, Peyton Manning, famously missed a whole year, they then cut him, Andrew Luck, need I say more, and you know what, it just seems <laughs> like we've been cursed, we cut Peyton Manning, you know, you can get that whole debate whether that was the right move or not, but for the sake of this argument, I'm just gonna bring it up, you cut Peyton Manning, you have just had quarterback injury and quarterback, you know, carousel since, you did have Luck for seven years, but now we're going on the fourth straight season with a different starting quarterback week one for the Colts. And it sucks. It really sucks because, you know, the talent is there with Wentz. No one's going to doubt that. Obviously, last year was horrible. No one's going to hide from that. But I've said it. Chris said it when we discussed this way back. He's in a system for him to succeed, built for him to succeed. Like This is a ready-made system with the guy who got the best out of him, Frank Reich, and you know you got this great O line, running game, receivers. You know are a little more low key, but just you know looking at what the team's saying, especially in camp, you know we're loving what we're seeing from Pittman. This dude Michael Strachan could be a stud. Seventh round Zach Pascal always reliable. Getting T Y Hilton back, Paris Campbell coming back. So there are there's names at this point, but their names with uh you know some upside. So it just looked like it was it was ready there for Wentz. The injury comes, and that's just, that's a brutal start. But, you know, Jacob Eason coming in, fourth round pick, had minor pedigree, has a huge arm. We'll see what he's made of. At least he still has this running game, some vets in the receiving corps, and one of the best lines in football protecting him. However, and you know what, this happened prior to the Wentz injury. Ryan Kelly, you know, he's hurt, starting center, that's tough. Eric Fisher, we knew he'd be, you know, rehabbing his way back. We didn't really expect him to be ready week one. But, you know, he's on track. And honestly, if he is playing week one, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Not expecting it, but it's one of those situations where I'm just expecting... I, I don't know what I'm expecting. My mind has been boiled from these two teams. But, yeah, you don't have the starting left tackle. You got Sam Tevi, who, by all counts, is an absolute disaster. And then, of course, two days later, the <laughs> Quint Nelson—he's not that he's just hurt, but it is the same exact injury with the same exact five to twelve week time frame, and that's just another kick, kick into the guts. I'm a lot less worried about this Nelson injury though because he is a freak of nature. He did write this, you know, very you know make you one through a wall post on Instagram about him getting back week one. I don't expect that, but I wouldn't be surprised because he is a freak of nature. Um, but him missing training camp doesn't mean too much to me. When you're as good as you are, or as good as he is, you know, just get healthy and get back on the field and dominate like like you do. Next to Ryan Kelly, you know they're already familiar. Him and Fisher will have to work on chemistry. It does take some time for offensive linemen to uh, get that chemistry alongside each other. But you know, one's one of the best in the league, and Eric Fisher has been in the league for a while, so I, I don't see it being an issue, um, if anything, I think you get, well, Nelson back in September, if he does miss a game or two, um, but yeah, that's not good, that's two of your biggest, most important players in a span of two days, whacked, and you know, it puts the beginning of this season in doubt now, it really does, and you know, for a, they got quite the start out of the gate you start with Seattle, the game I'm going to. And you know what? I have no confidence that their week one's uh, that their week one streak will end. It's not a good streak, by the way. They haven't won a week one game since twenty thirteen. Um, then you play <sighs> then you play the Rams. Aaron Donald against the Clinton Nelsonless Colts. I hate Tennessee. Then I believe Miami and Baltimore. So it's just not fun. Not a fun five game stretch. And you know, you could very easily get into October, and your season's over. I hate to be a pessimist. I hate to talk like this. I want to have hope. But that's certainly the vibe right now. The only silver lining, and I've discussed this with several other fans, um, is this defense. I mean, we'll see what's wrong with Julian Blackman. I haven't looked at the updates last time I saw. His knee was hurt. Buckner banged up. Probably precautionary. Uh, As long as Darius Leonard just signed the bag, highest paid linebacker ever. Props to the Maniac. Um... So far, nothing, you know, catastrophic on the defensive side. It's me knocking on wood. New setup, by the way. Shout out the desk. Uh, no catastrophic defensive injuries. I've rooted for this team way too long to know that that won't be the case in a month because the season hasn't even started yet, and that's usually when the bad injuries flow for this team. But if the defense just balls out, if they take a leap, if Quiddy Pay is the freak we expect him to be, if Ben Banigou and um, Komoko Terray can continue their hot play from camp. Even though, listen, I'm happy to hear that the defensive line is playing really well. But when you have these rotating chairs, like from center to left tackle, it's all backups. I would I would hope they're dominating. And that, you know, that is refreshing. It's good to know that they are taking advantage. But I'm I'm taking that with a slight grain of salt. I do think there is talent on this defensive line. We've been waiting for that Komoko Tere breakout. We've been waiting for Ben Bannago to do something. We're waiting. So if they are making that leap, beautiful. If this pass rush can take a step up, beautiful. All right? If this defense can, you know, and, you know, it's asking a lot because, you know, especially 2019, we were asking them to do a lot. Some games last year, you know, we, you were compromised with Rivers uh, mo- mobility-wise and, you know, stretching the ball down the field. So there were some times when the defense needed to step up, and they're going to need to this year in a huge way. If they want any chance of making the playoffs. Every game you win without Wentz or Nelson, it kind of feels like two wins because, oh my, what a task, especially with the stretch. If Eason, you know, could just ball out or Sam Ellinger, whatever they do, that'd be great. I, let's not be insane here and just predict a fourth rounder or a seventh rounder to just save the season. It has happened in the past. Sample size very small, though. Um... We'll see what happens. I mean, that Quentin Nelson injury, you, I felt like they still could have skated by, dominated run and gun, not run and gun, ground and pound, like they were able to do some games with Percet in 2019. But then the Nelson injury just, yeah, I mean, that just kills you. So, you know, you just kind of hope at this point that they, those guys get better. No more injuries throughout the rest of camp. And we'll just see what happens. I'm pulling a Vince Vaughn here, a Peter LaFleur. Not keeping my expectations very high. Not setting any goals. Because if you don't have any goals or expectations, you can never be disappointed. And let me tell you, it's a beautiful thing. So, we'll see how this goes. I'll just be focusing more so on individual players. See how they play. You know, I want to see Naeem Hines, my guy, go off again. I love Hines. I want to see a leap from Campbell and Pittman. And I just want to see not horrible football played. Alright? It's, it, it's just tough. This is like the Chargers... Off season in and off season out last year's 49ers the one cop-out you get is oh well this team's really good but they just got beat up no one's really gonna kill you for not performing well if you're too injured so you know what at this point pile them on and, and get us that high draft pick forget philly getting the first you know maybe you can start the conspiracy there that <laughs> the colts are preventing 70 percent snaps or 75 from whence we're not gonna get that crazy here though not yet when we get one of our guests on We'll open up the crazy hour. But, yeah, it's been a brutal start to training camp for the Colts. And I'm so happy to be rooting for them as we see them go through it. Segue from that, you know, you'd love, you would absolutely love to go on a happier note. But we're actually going to go on a more somber and depressing note, if that's even possible. But it is, because we're talking about the New York Mets. I mean, Jesus Christ. This is, it's, un- they're, they're an unwatchable team. They're unwatchable. You know, you have this 10 game stretch before your 13 game gauntlet, 4 in Miami, 3 in Philly, and then 3 in Washington. You had to go at least 7 and 3. Maybe you could have skated by with 6 and 4, but 7 games against the Marlins and the Nationals, those are if you're a team that wants to make the playoffs, you got to win at least 5 of those 7. See what happens with Philadelphia, but you're 8 and 5 against them this year, and they just fell flat on their face in such an embarrassing way. Such an embarrassing way. Scoring five runs in those three games. Five? I'm pretty sure it was 19 runs in this uh, road stand. Not even three runs a game. And just, don't even get me started on the runners left on base. I believe the number was, it was north of 20 on, what day was it? I think Thursday against Miami. Maybe it was, I don't know. Because it seems like every night is just worse and worse with the runners left on base no it was Thursday because they left the bases loaded three times I mean I've never seen a team more in my life get the bases loaded when nobody's out and not be confident when they get the bases loaded and nobody's out I'm not confident I don't expect them to score and it's just you know it's typical of the season Javi Baez you know at this point it just feels like the big move was made just to make a move he hasn't provided a spark you know he had that big first game hasn't done anything since i mean this was a first place team on friday they were in first they're now in third two and a half behind the phillies half a game behind atlanta as soon as acuna went down we figured atlanta was going to be dead no they actually tried to improve and the thing is the mets really didn't we i was happy believe me i was happy when they made the move for bias i thought that would provide a spark but you know lost in the excitement was the fact that they really really didn't improve the pitching Trevor Williams is still in the minors. Rich Hill, I mean, come on. I like him as a stopgap, as a, you know, fifth-day guy, but you know you're not getting much out of him, and he hasn't been particularly great for them. You didn't improve a pitching staff that was decimated, a bullpen that has turned a corner in a very bad way. So you find yourselves here now. Um, I I don't expect this team to make the playoffs. Why should you? They have displayed absolutely nothing in the second half to... Um, display that they should be a first play, uh, a playoff team 56 and 55 now he got these three games against the nationals i wouldn't be surprised if they lose the series the nationals have traded everyone but it doesn't matter because with this offense dom smith's the leading hitter at 254 that's disgraceful he's more qualified than davis and mcneil because they've missed a bunch of time so if you want to you know make it sound better i guess you could go to jd's batting average but it's just bad um because everyone, every pitcher that they go against, it, I don't care who's on the Nationals. I really don't. Because every pitcher the Mets go against, they make look like an ace. It's as simple as that. It, it doesn't matter who they face anymore. It hasn't mattered in two months. And you could say, we've been saying it for months, All oh, the offense will turn around. They haven't. We're August 9th now. And, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I am begrudgingly going to a game on Wednesday. It'll probably be my last game of the year. Gonna clock out at 15. I wanted to get to 20, but... I mean, they've just been disgraceful. If there's a playoff push, I'll obviously make more trips. And, you know, realistically, they are only two and a half games out. Maybe they get hot, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be the Grim Reaper here. Pessimistic. But how could you be confident in this team? Hope can only take you so far. Hope is one hell of a drug, and I've been hoping. And, you know, this past week, it's just all but solidified the fate of this team. DeGrom, who knows... Lindor, who knows, who knows anything, uh, it's just bad, it's really bad, and, you know, to make everything even more embarrassing and worse, Zach Wheeler, complete game shutout, absolute domination, retires the last 22 guys, is another slap in the face, I mean, Zach Wheeler is gonna be tossing complete games against the Mets for the next six years, without a doubt, he's gonna be the pitching version of Daniel Murphy, thank you Brody for that, uh, but yeah, the Mets just, you know, are a dumpster fire right now, disaster. Maybe things will get changed. I don't believe it. You got your 13-game gauntlet against the Dodgers and the Giants after this. I don't, I don't know how on earth they're going to get through that. That's going to kill their season. That really is, that 13-game stretch. <laughs> I mean, how do you get through that? The Dodgers have a super team. The Giants are just amazing. A couple weeks ago, I was hoping. Oh wait, let's get to let's get five and eight, six and seven through there. That was assuming you know they would play well against the Reds, Marlins, Phillies, Nationals. That was assuming in that thirteen game stretch, you know, they would go eight and five, go nine and four. So then you could afford an under five hundred home stand. I wouldn't be surprised if they go three and ten or worse. Maybe maybe we're lucky and they'll get five wins. But I'm not seeing it. So. Yeah, that's the state of the Mets. I don't really want to waste much breath more on them. But, we will talk about the standings real quick. Little uh, update on that. Tampa Bay, 68-44. First place, four-game lead now over Boston. And they've struggled in the second half. The Yankees, slowly but surely, creeping. Only six and a half back. I mean, that's a tall order, especially with a team as good as Tampa. But, you know, you made moves at the deadline that were good. Uh... Anthony Rizzo being on the cover list is tough because I mean this guy literally looked like Babe Ruth coming to the Yankees. Um, Toronto still floating, only half a game behind the Yankees. They made moves. It's crazy how teams trying to make the playoffs make aggressive moves. The Mets made one move that was really aggressive. Uh but yeah, the AL East. Four sixty-win teams right now. Amazing. And then the Orioles. Sitting pretty at thirty-eight and seventy-two. They probably beat the Mets too. Uh AL Central, White Sox running away with it at this point. um, 66-46, 10.5 game lead. Y- you have no reason. They just activated Luis Robert today. I mean, this is a team that's going in the right direction, getting healthier for the stretch run. No reason to believe that they won't win the Central. And Houston, two games ahead of Oakland. Seattle, trying to, you know, make that push. 7.5 game back. They- they're probably, you know... More relevant in the wild card conversation than the AL West conversation, but it'll be a tight race between Houston and Oakland throughout. And this, you know, every other week we'll probably make it. I'll probably update on the standings as if you don't already know. But that's the American League, National League. We just went over it. Phillies. It's what a disappointing division. <laughs> every other division leader has at least sixty-six wins. The NL East has yet to get a 60 win team. The Phillies are one win away. They'll probably get there in the next couple days, if not tonight. 59 and 53. Two games ahead of Atlanta. at 57 and 55. Mets 56 and 55. Two and a half back. Terrible. Milwaukee 66 and 46. Sitting pretty five games up on Cincinnati. Who's had a really nice season. I mean, good for them. Good for them. And then the loaded AL West. I mean, the. the NL West. The AL East has 460 win teams, so I don't even know why I'm saying loaded when there is a division that is better objectively. But the National League West, you got San Francisco 71-41. You got the Dodgers 67 and 45. Those are the two teams. The Mets have to play 13. Who made that schedule? I mean, really, who does that? Who actually consciously does that? Whatever. Then the Padres 64 and 49 at third. I mean, they're a third place team with 64 wins. Yeah, that's just crazy. Uh, and they're 7.5 out. I mean, similar with the Yankees, a 61-win team, 6.5 out. It, it's crazy. So that's that's the division standings. Let's go to the wild cards. Um, sorry about that. All right, so Athletics and, and the Red Sox, you know, both the wild cards are now... Oakland is the number one wild card. Boston is the number two. So... Those are the two wild cards at the moment. The team's chasing in reasonable range. Yankees, two and a half behind Boston. Toronto, three. Seattle, five and a half. The Angels are eight behind, but I I don't really expect the Angels to make a push. Shohei can only do so much. And who knows if Mike Trout is even breathing right now. So keep your eyes on the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Mariners on that wild card race and then jump to the National League. Dodgers, Padres, which will be one one of just that as a one game playoff will be nothing short of epic. Dodgers are three and a half ahead of Padres. Let me go back to the AL wild card real quick. The Red Sox and Athletics are actually tied. So that you know could fluctuate at any given moment. For the NL wild card, the Dodgers are actually ahead by three and a half games. Over the Padres as the one. So the Padres are the official second wild card. And Cincinnati really seems to be the only team that will make a push. Two and a half behind the Padres. They're playing well. So maybe they could catch them. I mean, they have bats in that lineup. They got some bats, man. Uh, Atlanta, six and a half. The Mets, seven. That's too much ground to cover against the Padres. I know Tatis isn't there, but I'd still take the Padres without Tatis over the Mets. And probably the Reds, honestly. So that's your MOB playoff picture. Standings picture. Next week, we will compare how we did then to now, because now, you know, we're we'll be in the middle of August next next week. So we'll see how our standings did. I don't think I'm doing horrible right now. I really don't. But yeah. Enough of the somber. Mets suck. Colts are making me sad. Let's go to something exciting, the NBA offseason, which was wild. So, let's just, I mean, sorry to be basic here, but let's just go right to the Lakers because they're just, you know, making bonkers moves. Whether they're good or not, we'll see. A lot of old heads on this squad. Average age over 30. Uh, Last team to win with an average age over 30 was the Heat with LeBron. But... You got Melo. Melo and LeBron, finally teammates. I feel like this should have happened years ago when Melo, for whatever reason, didn't play all year because teams didn't believe he could play. LeBron didn't vouch for him back then. Don't know why. I feel like they could have been teammates for at least a couple seasons now. Kendrick Nunn, I like that move for this squad. Trevor Reza making a return to the Lakers. You know, another vet, 3 and D kind of guy. Dwight Howard after his one-year hiatus. They probably could have used him last year. Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk. I mean, no big names other than Melo, really, on the free agent front. I'll get to the the big trade in a minute. Don't worry. But, yeah, Malik Monk shooter, Wayne Ellington shooter. Health is going to dictate this Lakers season. LeBron, AD, you guys got to stay healthy. And, you know, I feel like they should have added more shooters, maybe younger dudes. I mean, Trevor Reza, clearly over the hill. Kent Bazemore, middle of the pack. Kendrick Nunn, we'll see what you can get from him. I mean, he was very solid for the Heat. Melo, I mean, if you can get... Load manage Melo and let him save it all for the playoffs. Dwight Howard, if he plays anywhere near he played on the championship run, good for you. Malik Monk, I mean, guy could shoot. So, we'll see how these additions add. But the big one, obviously, The trade. And at first, it looked like it was going to be Buddy Heald, or like a DeMar DeMar DeRozan move. Apparently, LeBron and DeMar were talking about a potential team-up, but they're bringing home Russ. Russ is going back to L.A. They departed with Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So, listen, I love Russell Westbrook. I am a LeBron fan as well. They've been two of my favorite players over the past decade. I just don't know how this is gonna work. Like I hope it does, I really do. I would love to see Melo get a ring. Would love to see Westbrook get a ring. But on paper, does it even on even on paper, like it doesn't look like it's gonna work. This isn't 2K, this is real life. I mean Westbrook and LeBron are ball dominant. So how is Westbrook gonna deal with that? I mean, I love him. I love that man love how he plays, but, you know, he needs the ball. And, you know, the teams that he's on usually don't fare well when there's two ball-dominant guys on the squad. So, I hope it works. It's going to be interesting. It'll definitely be exciting. Good Lord, let Anthony Davis stay healthy, please. That'll be a very exciting big three. And we'll just see what happens when the playoffs roll around. You know, I would love to... Westbrook deserves a title. Melo deserves a title. Let's see what happens, all right? Let's see what happens. It was a huge trade, you know. It'll ruffle, ruffle the news cycle. I'm not buying 2K because I absolutely hate the game. But if I go to you know a buddy's house and they have it, I'll play with the Lakers because I'm that person. Um. So yeah, that's the Lakers front. Let's continue with trades. Couple signing trades here. We'll do both for the Bulls. Damar. I, I Okay. I lo- all right. Let me. Let me. Let me say it. DeMar DeRozan to Chicago. I like DeMar. He's been a very good pro his entire career. For Thaddeus Young and Alfredo Gaminu, they go into San Antonio. San Antonio ships off DeMar. And then another sign-and-trade. Bulls were active. They certainly were active. Lonzo to Chicago. for Tomas Satoransky and Garrett Temple. Listen, Lonzo's definitely got upside. I don't know what he's done in this league to earn five years for 85 mil. I don't know what he's done to get $17 million a year, but that's just the NBA for you. Um, what are the Bulls? What is their direction? Lonzo starting point guard, sure. Is Le- Zach Levine going to be the small forward? Or is DeMar DeRozan, like, who's playing shooting guard? How many guards can you have? You still got Kobe White on the bench, too. This team has a million guards. So, and Markinen wants out, also. We'll see where he goes, but... Sure, in the East, they'll make the playoffs, but where's the spacing? I mean, who's playing small forward? DeMar's not going to the bench. Zach Levine is certainly not going to the bench. Is Zach Levine going to be the small forward? Can he be the small forward? I, I I don't know. I don't know if that really makes much sense. Um, I love Vooch at, the, at center, but this isn't a team that, you know... I'm sorry. I don't see this team making it out of the first round of the playoffs. I think they could get there, for sure. I think they should get there. Pardon. Pardon. But I don't see this as a team making much noise. But you know what? I love transactions. I love seeing teams try to make things work. They'll be an interesting team to watch for sure. So you know, definitely, definitely will be harped in on that. And then the the Knicks Knicks made a couple moves. We're completely out on superstars. Uh, signed Evan Fournier to a nice nice payday, and then signed Kemba for peanuts. And I love the Kemba signing. I really do. Again, not a Knicks fan. I'm a huge Kemba fan, though. I love Kemba Walker. And while he was injury-plagued last year, uh, didn't have a horrible year, you know, looking at the numbers. Still 30, 31, I believe. Um, I think he'll be a solid veteran presence. And again, you signed him for Peanuts. I think he'll be a good guy to have in the locker room. Great character guy. Uh, And I, I think, you know, from New York, maybe the Garden will revitalize him. Uh, and I just like the move. I think it's a solid move. I don't... It's very low risk. It's $7 million. It's a $7 million signing. And very high reward because Kemba's a proven player in this league. So we'll see where it goes from there. I, I mean, I, I I can't see how, if you're a Knicks fan, you dislike that move. I, I can't. And then uh, an under-the-radar move that I actually liked, coming from the Bay Area, Warriors uh, taking Otto Porter Jr. and not a big move by any stretch of the imagination i mean his career high in points is seven is only 17 and a half which isn't bad you know it's a solid three but you know this man for his career is a 40 percent three-point shooter you know health has been an issue for sure health has definitely been an issue for him and his career but you know he's been in the league eight years but only 27 you know get clay back healthy have a healthy Otto porter i mean listen the warriors are trying to get that three-point barrage back and you know you, you just re-inked Steph for a second 200 million dollar deal amazing unfathomable but I like the move I think it's a very under the radar move that people really aren't going to speak of but you know if Otto Porter stays healthy I think that's a very good signing for the Warriors you know I think he meshes perfectly with Steph and Clay. and you know obviously you're going to have the most attention towards those two Pablo Porter's wide open. Guess what he's going to do? He's probably going to hit it. He's got a—he's a very good three-point cr- shooter throughout his career. But you know, to get back onto the point of the Steph Curry resigning, there was a lot of players resigning, and you know, the past few years we've had a lot of player movement from conference to conference. You know, all stars leaving their their squad going to another. But that was really not the case this year. Kawhi. You know there was a little bit of rumblings, but ultimately he returned. Steph Curry, like I said, returned two hundred another two hundred million dollar contract. I guess I snuck Victor Oladipo in here. I don't think he deserves to be regarded with these other players, but he resigned with Miami. Jimmy Butler resigned with Miami. KD resigning with Brooklyn. Trey Young monster deal resigning with the A. Shai Gilgis Alexander resigning after some ridiculous report saying they would trade him. I obviously, listen, I know they said it would take an insane amount or something along those lines, but why even float that out there? Why even why even do that? What's the, what's the point? Just resign your guy. They did. CP3 running it back with Phoenix and John Collins. You know, they were at a stalemate for a little, but he's back on a big deal. So, you know, as always, the NBA offseason providing a lot of, News, headlines, and, you know, transactions. So, it'll be a a fun NBA year. Still more moves to come. We still got to see what happens with Dame. I do think he stays at least for another year. Ben Simmons, you got to get him out of there. And, you know, we'll see what goes on. So, it's good to be on the positive note. All right? It's good to be positive. So, this one isn't negative. It's just things that sing. Welcome, folks. You've made it. To segment season. This is the first official. I know the last one there was a slight segment, but this is the first official one. Alright? And it will only get better from here. Alright? This was. I've been busy, so I couldn't prepare as much as I wanted to, but it's just a step in the right direction for segment season. Drum roll, (laughs) please! Yes, that was very cringy. The Painful Takes segment. What is Painful Takes? Painful takes are things that you don't want to admit. They attack your fandom, honestly hurt your heart, and you really don't even want to say because it kind of goes against everything you believe in as a fan. So that's exactly what I did. I'm going to take it head on with number one. And it's been... Uh, I, I, I wrote it. Guess what? Typing it was a lot easier than saying it. Because it really is, like, making me cringe. But, painful take number one. I hate to say it. Tom Brady. The man's become likable. More likable in his Tampa Bay stint. I used to be able to look at Brady and just seethe, blood boil, get angry on sight when he was wearing that stupid Patriots jersey. But, I mean, since he's come to Tampa, do I still hate him? Yes, but... He's. It's hard. It's harder to hate him than it ever used to be. I mean, all these off-season videos, winning, again, first year with a new team, home stadium. I mean, I could see. I. I. It goes against me to like him, but I could see why people do now. I could see why people. I respect him. I've always respected Tom Brady, but yeah, it definitely hurts. For me to say, as someone who's been tortured by Tom Brady, my entire fandom of the Colts. A guy who I've despised, loathed my entire fandom. An enemy. Satan, if you will. The guy's become likable. And I just... Yep. That one hurts. That one hurts. This one honestly hurts more. And it's something that Colts fans need to not shy away from anymore. If someone were to say this to me, I would get angry. Because it's just annoying and it doesn't need to be said. But, I'll say it. This was such a bad idea. I hate saying these things, but for the sake of entertainment, the show goes on. The Colts had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck for, I believe, a 20-year stretch. Obviously, there were some injury-plagued seasons in there. Now, these were two of the most highly regarded quarterback prospects ever. You got one Super Bowl win and two appearances in that entire stretch. I mean, that's just—it's that's devastating, embarrassing, pathetic. That just hurts, and I don't need people to come on my neck and say, "Oh, look at the rosters. Look at the—I don't need the context." All right. I understand the context. I saw the teams. Believe me. I know. But it's just painful. That is something that is just painful to come to terms with over anything. You can't tell me as a Colts fan you're happy that they've won one Super Bowl and they had Peyton Manning and then Andrew Luck right after. You cannot tell me that you are happy about that. They haven't been to the Super Bowl in 12 years. You can't tell me you're happy about it. Obviously Luck is gone, which adds to the pain. So yeah. That's that one's tough. And that is a tough thing to deal with. It really is, especially with Peyton. You know, year in and year out, you're among the top contenders, favorites to win it all. You, you only get it once, and then Tracy Porter crushes your dreams. Three years later, terrible. And then this one will go to baseball. <sighs> I like what the I like the moves the Yankees made at the deadline. You know, I. I I'm by no means a Yankee supporter. You could hear it in the, mo- the, the, the monotonous tone of my voice. <laughs> I can't. I can't argue it though. I mean, Anthony Rizzo. That shocked me. Joey Gallo for that stadium. They made moves. They made moves that they knew they needed to make a push, and you know, it's starting to pay off. Obviously, Rizzo's on the IL at the moment. We'll see where the standing, where they're standing when he returns. But yeah, it's. That's another one, especially because the Mets deadline really wasn't all that good either. But that'll wrap that up. That's three painful takes. And this one will be back. I mean, I've got to test the waters. I am not. We're, I have plenty of segments on the side planned for each show, so I'm not going to do one each week. Or I'm going to do a segment each week, but not the same one. So painful takes won't be bad for a few weeks. They will not be bad for a few weeks. But it will return. And that's how it's going to be with most of the segments. But that'll wrap up another solo brigade. Thank you for staying put and dealing with me. I promise from here on out, consistency. You know, no more two-week, three-week hiatuses. I will have guests on, you know, to keep the, the thoughts flowing. You know, sometimes listening to one person is good, but you want to hear multiple thoughts. And guess what? It's more fun for me to too, to talk to someone. So, again, thank you all for listening. You listeners are awesome. I apologize for the hiatuses, but I will be better. We will be better as a whole. And we will catch you next week on the Island Sports Talk Podcast. Woo! That's it. That's all. Peace.